Luke chapter number 14. I want to, in your notes, it says start in verse 26, but I want to back up and start in verse number 25. Uh, We are still on the theme of being a disciple. Discipleship, true discipleship, being a disciple. Jesus is very specific when it comes to being a disciple and what he expects out of a disciple and what it takes to be a disciple. If you're with me, say amen. And so how many of y'all know that it's going to take real disciples to turn this thing around? Amen. Uh, it, this, this country's not in the shape it's in because of the sinners. I'm going to say that again. This country's not in the shape it's in because of the sinners. It's not the action of the sinners. It's the, the inaction of the saints. It's, it's our failure to step up and be what God has called. And you say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says if the salt has lost its savor. And what that means is if the salt has failed to do what the salt's supposed to do. And if you know what salt is for. How many of y'all know what a country ham is? You know a salted ham. They put that salt on that ham to retard decay. Salt is a preservative. How many of y'all would agree our country's in massive decay? You know what that means? The salt ain't working. Mm-hmm. Us. So anyway, I'm not going to charge you a bit for that. Amen. Look in verse number 25. Verse 25. If you're there, say amen. amen. And there went great, what? multitudes with him and he turned and said unto them now when you read what we're fixing to read you'll find out Jesus he wasn't he wasn't trying to build a mega church he was trying to build a real church and 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 when we see when we see the the stipulations he gives you'll see he's pretty serious about it amen If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also. What's the two next word? He cannot. He cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. Say amen right there. It's good. But if the salt is lost to savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? God's people are good and What they are to do is good. But if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, how's this country going to be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land as fertilizer, nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out 
He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for your love and your mercy and the great spirit that's in this place this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for the people that's here. And Lord, I want to thank you for your word. And I pray that you'll help me to deliver it as you give it to me. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. It's very blunt and very plain. And I pray that your perfect will be done today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you'll notice, you'll just have three words to fill in. It's kind of different than a lot of outlines you get from me. You'll have subs and, and, and main points and subs and sometimes uh, subs of subs. Say amen right there. But today it's going to be different. It's just, I mean, we're, just going to, we're just going to say it like it is. How many of y'all like it when we just, we just get down to the nitty gritty? You know, we're, we're not in a place where we can afford to beat around the bush and, and, and to be politically correct. And we're not, in a, we're not in a place in our country, we're not in a place, not just our country, in the world, as, as, as far as that matter goes, the condition of our world. In the short time that we have here on this earth, we, we don't have time to mess around. And Jesus was in that same situation when he was here on this earth. He knew his time was short. He knew his time was short. And if you go back... If you go back and, and read the following chapter or the, the, the previous verses of this chapter, you'll find out that he's given a message. He is, he is preaching and he is teaching and uh, he is sharing a truth. And, and that truth is, he said, my father desires that his house may be full. He said, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. Right? He says, go get the unwanted, go get the outcast, go get the, the people that nobody else cares about. Go get him, go get the blind, go get the main, go get the halt. Bring him in that my house may be. So the message is God wants a full house, right? God wants a full house. He said, it is, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Whosoever will let him come. It doesn't matter your it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your heritage, it doesn't matter your your your, your political affiliation, it doesn't matter uh, how much money you have or don't have, whosoever will let him come. If you're hungry, come, I'm the bread of life. If you're thirsty, come, I'm the living water. If you're dead on the inside, come cuz I'm the resurrection. He's inviting all to come. He's inviting all to come. Now, the Bible says the very first verse we read, if you'll remember, the very first verse we read, it said, and, and, and it gave a word, and, and something was following him. Say it with me. Multitudes, people. Not something, Griggs. Multitude. What is that something? Amen? Say it with me. Come on, say it with me. Everybody. Griggs. All right. Now, if you have a multitude, would you say that your house is, would you say that? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Before I get into the words, I want to, I want to kind of lay this out to you. How many of y'all have been in church uh, more than 20 minutes? <clears throat> you, you all have been here more than 20 minutes. Come on. I'm, it's a trick question. Amen. If you've been in church more than 20 minutes, raise your hand. I just want to make sure you're all alive today and awake and. How many of y'all been in church longer than 10 years? Okay. How many of y'all been in church longer than 20 years? 
Okay? How many of y'all probably like me, you might have grown up in church. So what happens, what happens right after the preacher's through with the message? What takes place in your traditional church, if you're familiar with old-time church? Say it again. Invitation. Invitation. Now, if you grow up in church, it's just part of, it's just like breathing. It's just something that happens. It's part of the deal. And a lot of times, a lot of times people don't understand it's been in church a long time. They get a misconception about what the invitation is. If you grow up in church, you have this idea that invitations is where the sinner goes and gets saved. That's what, and it, and that can happen. That can happen during the invitation. There's been millions of sinners come to Jesus during the invitation. But then some of us think that the invitation is where those people who are not right with God go to get right with God. And guess what? That can happen. There's been millions of people who've been out of will of God and not right with God come down to an altar during an old-fashioned invitation and get right with God, get their hearts right, repent, and confess their sin before God and start back on the straight and narrow. Somebody say amen. But then there's a whole nother crowd that thinks that the invitation is for everybody but them. Now, let me help you understand what the invitation really is. It's not just for sinners to find salvation. Because technically, if you go strictly by the Bible, the Bible says for the Christian to go and win the sinner out there and bring them back here for training and edification. That's strictly what the Bible says. Now, uh, and, and it's not just so someone who is not right with God to come and get right with God. An invitation is exactly that. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to respond to what you just heard. And I don't mean the sinner and the backslider. I mean everybody. Everybody. The purpose of the invitation is for everybody to have an opportunity to respond. You are invited to respond to what you just. Are y'all with me? Well, when we begin these verses, when we begin these verses. He says, if any man will come after me, what's he doing? He's giving the invitation. He has been preaching, he has been teaching, he has, his, his crowd has gathered together, and now he's giving the invitation. So today, today, the whole message this morning is going to be an invitation. It's going to be an invitation. In these few verses that we read right here, you're going to find out Jesus is inviting you to respond if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to be a disciple, and, and, and please, please get this. I, I, I'm, 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 I am so, I, 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 I don't even want to say what I want to say because some of y'all are too sensitive and tender. You won't be able to take what I'm going to say. But I'm telling you, I am so ready for God's people to stand up and be real disciples. Not church attenders. Not, not sometimes on Sunday, not a hit and a miss, but I'm talking about dedicated, sold out, committed, faithful, do or die, hell or high water. We're going to follow Jesus no matter where it leads us. 
Because that's what we need. We're not going to be sought until we get to that point. Now, if we're going to be that, he's inviting you to three things in these verses. Three necessities, if you want to use that as a key word. Three necessities, three requirements. If we're going to be disciples, and you say, well, how can you be that dogmatic about it? I don't know if y'all remember what he said, but I happen to remember a phrase that said, if you don't, you cannot be my. That's pretty dogmatic, wouldn't you say? Now, here's the thing. Everybody, everybody that goes to church thinks they're a disciple. Everybody, as far as that goes, everybody that lives in the South think they're a Christian. Just ask them. And some of them think they're a Christian because their great-grandpa once removed on the south side was, went to church one time. That, that doesn't make anything. Now, I'm, I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not asking if you're a church member. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if your name's on a roll. I want to know, are you a real disciple or do you want to be? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to level the playing field this morning. We're going to level the playing field this morning. None of y'all have church experience. All y'all to raise your hand said you've been in church more than 20 years. That ends today. Today is your first day. I want everybody to, I want everybody to imagine and, and try to put yourself in this place. This is the very first time you've heard about Jesus. This is the very first time you've ever experienced this. You have met and you have heard about this man. Let's put us all on the same playing field and see how it turns out. How many of y'all with me say amen? amen? Jesus is inviting. Let's look what he's inviting us to. Look in verse number, look in verse number 26. If any man come to me, he's saying he's inviting, right? He's inviting. This is the invitation. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So the very first thing he's inviting you is to love. Write that word down. He's inviting you to love him. Now let me explain this before I go any further. For some of y'all that's kind of confused about the, 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 the expression given here. And the Jewish people at that day, they would completely understand what Jesus was saying, but some, we don't talk like that, all right? That's just not the way we word things. <clears throat> he says, unless a man hate his father, his mother, his sister, his brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus is using a hyperbole here. The word hate literally means love less. Say that with me. Love Say it again. Love less. love less. Unless you love less your father than me, unless you love less your mother than me, Unless you love less your sisters and your brethren than me. Unless you love less your children. Unless you even love your own life less than you love me. You cannot be my disciple. Listen, he is saying, if you're going to follow him, you have to first love him. He was asked this question. He was asked this question by a lawyer trying to trip him up and trying to trick him. And, and they said, what is, the, what is the number one commandment in the law? Without batting an eye, without flinching. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. 
So if there was one thing that we'd had to nail down this morning, if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to love him. Love him. I'm not just saying love him. I'm talking about love him. I'm talking about agape love. I'm talking about sacrificial love. I'm talking about a supreme love. I'm talking about a priority love, a first place love. Your love for him has to be so great that your love for everything and everybody else seems like hate because your affection for Christ is so strong. He's got to be first. And and, and as as I read this, Jake, as I kept going over and over looking at this, I found out that the, this is in order. Because if you don't love him, you're not going to do the other two. If you don't love him, you're not going to follow through with the rest of them. It starts with our love for him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch this. Watch this. Matthew 22. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. That means your complete being, every part of you, you love him. John 14, 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. How do you, how do you prove your love for him? By doing what he tells you to do. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, if, that's a big word, isn't it? Just a few letters, but it's a big word. If a man love me, he will keep my. Now, what does that mean if we don't keep his word? Self-explanatory, isn't it? You see, I wonder if we're disciples today. If we love him, we will keep his words. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that, see how that all goes together? 1 John 5, 1 through 3. Or, actually, watch this now. Watch this. This is, so, this is so huge. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone, how many of them? Everyone that loveth him, that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. In other words, if you love Jesus, you'll love the Father. If you love the Father, you'll love the Son. Now, by this we know that we love the children of God when we what? And, watch this. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And what this is, woo! Watch this now, don't miss this part. And his commandments are not. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? I've heard people say, Oh, it's just so hard to be a Christian. These commandments are just so hard. Not if you love him. Not if you love him. Tammy can come up to me. Tammy can come up to me and get anything she wants. If I have the ability to do it. If I have enough money in my pocket and I know she wants something, she said, boy, I sure would like that. It's done. It just is. Why? I love her. I want to please her. I want to see a smile on her face. I want her to be happy. It's not difficult whatsoever. 
I don't even have to think about it. Here's the thing. Some of y'all are struggling doing what he says to do because your affection's not right and you don't love him. And the reason you're struggling is because you don't love him like you should because if you loved him like you should, it wouldn't matter what he says. It wouldn't be hard at all. You see, the ability to do his commandments and the willingness to do his commandments is directly, it's directly linked to your love for him. Let me give you an illustration. How many of y'all remember in the Old Testament, there's a poor young fella who made an agreement with the father to marry a daughter. And the father tricked him and gave him the ugly one. Y'all remember? Some of y'all think, what? See, there's so much good stuff in the Bible, you just got to read it every now and then. That happened. That happened. And the agreement was made that this young man would work seven years for this wife. Are y'all with me? He worked seven years for the wife. And because of the veil and everything, the father tricked him and gave him the ugly daughter. Yes, that happened. It's real. And the Bible says that. And so he had to work another seven years to get the good looking one. And you know what the Bible says about that? It said that those years seemed like a short time. Why? Because of his love for her. I know one thing. That sister better treat him right after 14 years to get her. Say amen. What's the point? The point is this. He didn't care nothing about them 14 years. He just wanted her. His love for her was so great, it didn't matter what he had to do. Watch this. It didn't matter what command he had to obey because he loved her. You see, as a Christian, when we love God like we're supposed to, it don't matter what he asks us to do. It doesn't matter what he asks us to give up. It doesn't matter what he asks us to sacrifice if we love him. Now, see, we might need to just go ahead and give the invitation right now. Because if we can get this right, the next two is no problem. Now, let me give you a little hint. Let me give you a little hint before we go. That's really all I need to say about that, but I'm going to help you with this. Because some of us don't love him like we should. We just don't. Because if you're struggling to follow him, if you're struggling to commit, if you're struggling to sacrifice, if you're struggling to obey his commands, then you, you got a love problem. You got a love problem. Now, so what do we do about that? This is really, this would be sub, so I'm gonna just throw this out there, okay? There's something you gotta understand about our love for him, okay? Our love for him is a reaction. His love for us is an action. Let me prove it. The Bible says we love him because, right? We love him because he, what? You see, he took the action. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What action did he take? He died on Calvary. He came and he humbled himself and became obedient unto death and died on the cross to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I love you. 
I loved you enough to die for you. I loved you enough to die instead of you. And because of that, we love him. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying his love is an action. Our love is a. You see, watch this now. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I, I, I'm not running a rabbit. Stay with me. Stay. Look at me, everybody. Everybody, look at me. What does that mean? It means the more we know about his love for us, the more our love for him is going to grow. Because his love is an action, our love is a. And if you don't love him like you need to love him, that means you don't know him like you need to know him. Let me say that again. That was good. If you don't love him like you need to love him, you don't know him like you need to know him. Because if you knew how much he loved you, if you knew how much he did, he did for you, if you knew how much he does for you, oh, honey, you would love him with an everlasting love and a love that's all heart, mind, and soul sold out completely to him. I don't love him, preacher. Well, it's time to get to know him. You need to get your Bible out and start reading. You need to get in a prayer closet somewhere and start spending some intimate time with him. You can't have a casual acquaintance and love somebody. We come in here and we have handshaking time. Are y'all with me? I don't feel toward, don't take offense, but I don't feel the same toward you guys as I feel toward my wife. She came in my office this morning. And I, I don't normally get to see her in the first service. I don't, you don't normally get to see her to the second service because she's out doing stuff in here that they do and everything. So I don't ever get to see them. And, and she come in and I said, hey, this is great. And I went over there and I got me a big old hug. And I said, this is a pleasant surprise. You see, I, I don't feel that way. I, I ain't going to give you no big hug, Brother Mickle. I'll give you a little fist bump, but that's about, you know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be silly. Y'all get what I'm saying? My relationship with her is different than my relationship. And if you're just a casual acquaintance of God, then you need to get to know him better. Because, oh, if you ever get to know him, it'll change the way you sing. Did y'all watch, y'all watch Brother Johnny a while ago? He's all choked up and everything. I was like, oh, look at him. <laughs> you know why? Because he loves the one that changed him. He was up here singing, and he got to thinking about where he was headed when Jesus found him. He was up here singing, and he got to thinking about where he's going now because Jesus turned his life around. You see, if you don't love him, then you don't know him. You need to get to know him. And all God's people say it. So in Jesus' invitation this morning, and you'll find out that Jesus' invitation is drastically different than these prosperity preachers' invitation. Because the first thing he does is invite you to, come on everybody, invite you to love. love. 
love. Look at the next one. Let's hurry. Look at the next one. Verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross. Whosoever doth not bear his cross. Now, there's something we got to remember. Today, today the cross has has been glamorized. We'll wear the cross as jewelry. You know, a Jew of that day would never do that. Because the cross, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying, don't, don't take this as that. I bought my mama one of them Jerusalem crosses when I went to Israel and gave it to her as a present and all my girls and everything. So I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I want you to get in your head. In, in, in that day, under the Roman rule, wearing a cross around your neck would be like wearing an, wearing a, a, an electric chair. It, it would be, it would, you would be wearing something that was for the purpose of execution. What happened to people on the cross? They died. You know what Jesus is saying right here? <clears throat> He's not only inviting you to love. But secondly, he said, unless a man is willing to take up his, what do you do on a cross? Jesus is inviting you, number two, to die. To die. It's going to get kind of tight. Because, see, that's not, that's not terminology we like to use in the modern church. We like to use blessing. We like to use favor. We like to use abundance. We like to use grace in, in, in life, living. But Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you got to die. You got to die. Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. There's a key. Let him what? Deny, deny himself. Take up his... How? Daily. And follow me. Watch what he says. Watch what he adds to that. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living what? sacrifice. What, what did you do? What did they do on the altar? They'd bring a lamb and put it on the altar and that lamb would, it would die. So God is saying to us, he wants us to present our lives to him as a living sacrifice. He said, what about dying? I'll explain. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Watch what Paul says, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Oh, preacher, you're going to explain that. Okay. Look at me, everybody. That's all you got to write for that time, so just look at me and focus. Let a man deny himself. What is dying? What is dying? When God invites you to die, is he, is he, is he talking about a physical death in this moment? No, not necessarily. It may come to that. It may come to the point where you have to willingly lay down your life for the cause of Christ or for the testimony of the Lord. They're doing that all over the world. Christians are dying because of their faith. Now that's foreign to us because we can't even fathom that. But it means to deny self. What's got to die? My wants, my wishes, my desires, my plans, my agenda. Let me give you a great illustration. Jesus, the night of his arrest, he's come out of the upper room. They've had the last meal together. They've, they've had communion, uh, the very first communion there ever was. And, and they went out. The Bible says they sung a hymn and they went out into the garden. And he goes into the garden of Gethsemane, the olive trees. And, 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 he, and he leaves some disciples and takes Peter, James, and John and goes further and says, please tarry with me. Tarry with me. That means pray with me. Pray with me. And he went a little further. And he began to pray. He began to beg his father. You hear what I said? He began to beg his father. If it be thy will, let this cup. You see, Jesus' desire in his humanity was for some other way. Let this cup pass from me. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but thy be done. Watch this. I seen, I seen this this morning. I seen this this morning about the time Brother Johnny come in my office. Do you realize do you realize, everybody look at me, everybody, this is so huge, this is so huge. Do you realize that Jesus died before he ever made it to the cross? In the garden, Jesus died to his agenda. Jesus died to his will. Jesus died to his preference. Jesus died to his desires. And he said, nevertheless, not my will. What was happening? He was praying and he was under such agony and under such stress that his sweat became as great drops of blood. What was happening? He was dying. And he died to what he wanted. He died to what he would choose. He died to his desire. And he said, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. That's what I want, Father. That's what I want to see. But he said, it's not my will, but thine be done. And in that moment, he died before he ever made it to the cross. The cross was the purpose the cross was his purpose for being on this earth. The cross was his calling. But he would have never made it through the cross if he hadn't have died in the garden. 
And there's way too many of us that are not fulfilling our purpose. We're not fulfilling our calling because we have our own agenda. We have our own desires. We have our own preferences. God is wanting you to step up and be a real disciple. God is calling you to a higher purpose. But you have your own plans and your own desires. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you cannot be his disciple until you die. You me tell you why the church in America is in a mess? You me tell you why America is in a mess? Because you have preachers all over the TV and all over the country and mega churches everywhere tickling people's ears and telling them to come for favor and come for blessing, come for your blessed life now. You cannot find that anywhere in any invitation that Jesus gave. Every invitation, he says, you must die. But we're so self, self-focused in America. American Christianity is sickening to the nostrils of God. Because it's all about what's in it for me. You'll have people go from one church to the other. As soon as one church has a bigger program, bigger, better something, a better better children's program, a better playground, a better show on the platform, they move from here to there and everywhere. They haven't come to God and died in the garden and they'll never see a cross and accomplish their purpose in their life. That's why we don't have disciples. Yeah, we got church attenders. Yeah, we have people showing up. Yeah, we have people that enjoy the singing. But let me ask you a question. When's the last time you died and said, God, I don't care. It doesn't matter what I want. What do you want for my life? Watch this. Even if it means a cross. Even if it means a crown of thorns. Even if it means tied to a whipping post and beat to an inch of his life. I mean, let's just be real. When's the last time you sacrificed for him? That you really had to give something up? He's praying. He's praying. Can you see his agony? And, 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 and this process was so severe that angels came and ministered in him. But he said, not my will, but thine be done. You see, he died to his desires and his preference and his choice before he ever made it to Calvary. But you know what? But you know what? Because he died in the garden, he won on Calvary. <laughs> Let me say that again. <clears throat> I, I'm spitting some truths that I didn't even know I had. <laughs> Calvary was made possible. Because of what he did in the garden. Do you see anywhere, Brother Mickle, I've read them gospels a bazillion times. The only place I found 
where Jesus in his humanity struggled any at all. I mean, in his whole life from, from, from birth up into this point was in that garden. Find any other place where he struggled. Find any other place where he was in agony. He didn't struggle in the boat when the storm. What did he do? He stepped out on that bow and said, peace, be still. He didn't struggle in the graveyard. He said, move that stone. And he called Lazarus forth. He didn't struggle with the sick. He didn't struggle with the maimed. He didn't even struggle with the hypocrites. Every time they tried to trip him up and trick him, he had just the right thing to say. The only place you find that was difficult was the garden. But watch this. After that, you find strength and boldness and courage. When, when, they were, when, they were, when they were judging and interrogating Jesus and they, they were trying to threaten Jesus, they said, don't you know we can crucify you? He said, no, you can't. You can't do nothing that's not allowed to you, my father. He said, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. I see courage. I see strength and I see boldness on Calvary. You know how he had that? Because he died in the garden. And some of you need to find a place in this altar today and die. You know God's been speaking to you for months, even maybe years, to accomplish and fulfill a purpose in your life. And the only reason you don't have the courage, the only reason you don't have the strength, the only reason you don't even have the desire is because you're still full of yourself. And Jesus is saying this morning, I'm inviting you to come and what? Die. Die. Oh, but preacher, what if I lose my life? It's then that you will find it. Christians and lost people are running around trying to hold on to a mirage. They're trying to catch a ghost. They're trying to find fulfillment in this world and what this world has to offer. And in their self and their self-ambition and their self-desires. And God is saying, look, you'll never find it. Think about this. Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. If you want to receive, you got to you see, God's economy is backwards. You hear what I said? Everybody's trying to receive. Gimme, 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 gimme. God says, you'll never have enough. Remember what Ted Turner said? When's enough? He said, just a little more. And he's got more than he'll ever be able to spend in his lifetime, but it's not enough. If you want to receive, you got to give. If you want to go up, what do you got to do? And if you truly want to live, you got to, you got to die to self. Unless a man, watch this now, denies himself 
And, and, and this is the key. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. We, want, we might get to the third one. Unless a man deny himself and take up his cross. Oh, that's it. I wish. I wish. Miss Patty, I wish the moment I got saved and I knelt down and I surrendered to God and I said, God, save me, forgive me, take my life. I surrender to you. I wish that was for good. I wish from that moment on I stayed surrendered and submitted. But guess what? I'm saved, but every morning I got to go to my closet. I got to grab my cross and I got to die. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about by being saved and there's been days you went out the house without your cross? Born again, saved, child of God, but you're full of yourself. You know what we need to do every single morning? God, today I die. I die to my wishes. I die to my agenda. I die to my wants and my desires. Not my will, but... Can you imagine as children of God what we could accomplish if we would just all die daily, daily. Now, how many, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put my hands up. <clears throat> how many of y'all will, will, will join me and say, preacher, there's been so many times in my life I didn't do that. Man, we got to get back. We got to die. How? Daily. Everybody? Daily. Daily. Number three. Number three. Jesus says, he looks at the multitudes. He looks at the multitudes and he says, today, today I invite you to, number one, I invite you to to love. Do you see how this works? Brother Carter, if you don't love him, you're not going to die. The reason we're not dying to ourselves is because we love ourselves more than him. That's why he said, unless you hate father, mother, sister, brother, even your own, your life, you cannot be my disciple. So he's inviting us to love him first. Number two, he says, I invite you to to die. Surrender daily. Say, not my will, but. Number three, he said, then I invite you to follow me. So many of you, <laughs> us, not you, I ain't going to preach to you, I'm here. I'm preaching to myself today. Watch it, look at me, look at me. I, I'm, I'm over time, so you got to stay with me. A lot of us are following, a lot of us are pursuing our dreams, our desires, our wants. But no man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. How many of y'all have seen that sticker? 
How many of y'all seen that sticker on cars? God is my co-pilot. He's in the wrong seat. That's true. I mean, I appreciate the thought, but if we really want to get real about it, you see, way too many of us are living our life trying to get God in our thing. Not figuring out what he wants and getting on his thing. Come on now, I know I'm not the only one. Y'all, 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 y'all got to quit acting so sanctimonious in here. I know who I'm preaching to. How many of us have begged God, oh God, help me with my idea. Help me with this thing that I plan to do. I don't know why God won't help me because it wasn't his plan. One day, Brother Mickle, <clears throat> I was, I was kind of whining to God one time. I know y'all probably don't ever do that. But I was so frustrated. Man, I had, I had, anybody know what it means to have that phrase, too many irons in the fire? I had so many irons, you couldn't see the fire. And I was just so frustrated. And because of my frustration, I was blaming God. And I said, God, I got to do this and I got to do that and I'm late for this and I got to go over here and I've got to do that. And it was like, it, y'all know God's got a sense of humor? Because this is his response. I didn't tell you to do that. It was like, it was like, Brother Scott, I mean, I can see this, imagine this in my head. He looked at his list. It's not on my list. Those are your plans. Those are your agendas. And we'll get, we'll get so mad at God because he's not helping us with our agendas. And the sad part is, if we got our agendas, then we wouldn't be no closer to God. And we would be so far away from God. That's why he's not helping us with our agendas. He's hoping we'll open our eyes and surrender and die to our agenda so we can fulfill his agenda. Because it's only when we fill his agenda that we'll have true fulfillment and real satisfaction. I don't know why I'm not happy. Maybe you need to die. Maybe you need to quit chasing unicorns and rainbows. Maybe you need to have a garden experience. Preacher, I really want to follow Jesus. Do you? Because if you're going to follow Jesus, it'll lead to a garden. If you follow Jesus, it'll lead to a storm. If you follow Jesus, it'll lead to a bunch of criticism. If you follow Jesus, it'll lead to a place called Calvary. If you follow Jesus, it'll lead to a tomb. But if you follow Jesus, it'll lead out of that tomb. If you follow Jesus, you may wear a crown of thorns, but one day you'll surrender that to a golden crown. If you follow Jesus, you may experience suffering and difficulty 
and pain. But if you follow Jesus, one day, according to the Apostle Paul, that the sufferings of this present world cannot be compared with the glory that shall be there. And by the way, rednecks in the house, he said, I reckon. It's there. Look in Romans. It's there. King James. If yours don't say that, get it one that says that. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory. That's, you know what that means? It's going to be worth it. And I'll say this too. I'll say this too. A lot of times we have this idea that, that it's not going to be worth it till we get there. But let me tell you something. The greatest thing I ever did in my life was surrender here. In this life, it's worth it. In this life. So today, you remember, you can't say, boy, a sinner needs to get saved this morning. You can't say, boy, the backslider needs to go get right with God this morning. Because you remember, we all come in here on the same level. This is a new message to everybody. And I'm asking you, will you respond? Will you decide today that you're going to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind? Will you decide today that you're, if you don't love him like that, that you're going to find out more about him? That you're going to seek him and you're going to pursue him till you do love him like that? Will you decide today to find a place in this altar and die? Do like Jesus did in the garden and say, not my will, Lord, not mine, but thine be done. Will you be able to sing a song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. This is the invitation. And all God's people say it.